Welcome back to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast. I am your host, Darian Gray. And as the title may suggest, I am the Mouth of the South. Thank you for going on this journey with me. And today's quote of the week is brought to me by my father. He, right before I get into this podcast, he comes and gives me this devastating news. And it's so bad that I'm not even going to quote it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But he tells me, or he shows me what Mina Kime says on Twitter yesterday. How I missed it, I don't know. But she says the Gambit is the most overrated mutant. And that if you take away, take away his charisma, he's just a glorified poker dealer. I said I wasn't going to quote it, but then I went and quoted it. Because I was just so frustrated. I said, Dad, I got to record a podcast. Almost blew a gasket. I'm trying to record a podcast. You going to put this in front of my face? I don't know if I'm going to be able to focus and, and, and be able to deliver the best content that I can now. First off, this ain't a Marvel podcast, but Gambit's charisma is not just, he's not just a cool guy. He's literally charming to the point where he can, I don't know how to explain it in layman's terms, but like his charm is a power, not like, oh, he's just so charming and people want to do what he, no, he literally can charm you and make you do things. It's literally a power and I'm not going to go crazy about it, but that was a bad take and I love Mina Kimes. But that was a terrible take. Gambit is not the most overrated mutant. I didn't even know people rated Gambit high. Where are you, Gambit people? Where are you? Follow me. I'm at South Exclusives on Twitter. That's an S on the end. I don't know if I pronounced it all the way. South Exclusives. I'm on, I'm on Instagram, underscore Mouth of the South. If you are a Gambit fan, follow me. But make sure it says that you're a Gambit fan because I might not follow you back. But if, you, if it says that, I will follow you. Today, I followed a, I followed a dude randomly. Because he, he named his son after Gambit and had a Gambit shirt on him. I said, you get a you get a follow for that quality content. This is ridiculous, Mina. I got a Saints podcast. I got to talk about the Saints and the Titans and Odell not choosing the Saints. And why I really don't blame them. But you want to start my, my morning off with this crazy stuff. Nevertheless, let's carry on. Let's get into it. Gambit's overrated. Man, I should... Best believe I'm, I'm pulling out the Gambit shirt today. Best believe I'm pulling out the Gambit shirt today. I can't believe this, Mina. I, I can't. Let's talk, let's talk about Odell. Let's talk about Odell. Something that I completely can believe. And that's the Odell watches over. It's after all the back and forth. Every other day it felt like it was a new leader. At first it felt like the Saints were just the guys who were going to get him. But apparently they were the only ones who wanted to trade for him. Which kind of makes this more aggravating because... I do think this was a gross mishandling by the Browns front office to not trade him when you knew you didn't want any parts of him anymore. And to know that the Saints were basically the only team that was calling them to get a trade, it's like, so you're telling me that the New Orleans Saints were the only team that was trying to trade for Odell. And y'all should have traded Odell. Y'all made a dumb decision by not trading Odell. And the only team that wanted him was the Saints. Once he got on the open market, I wasn't surprised. You're fighting an uphill battle. You have Trevor Simeon as your quarterback. And no good no matter how good Simeon played on, on Sunday, I'm not sure he'll be that good again. I don't know. I think he'd be a pretty good quarterback, but you're fighting in Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. It's not, it's not, you don't measure up. You know, Sean Payton is a genius. I believe that. He can scheme you open, but so can Matt LaFleur. So can Sean McVay. So when you, it's not like you're going against a bunch of defensive-minded coaches. 
you're not the only one who can scheme up Odell. So it's not as attractive when I have all of these people. Even if you're the best at scheming, I can go to these guys and I have better quarterback play. As a receiver, that's that's important. So I get it. It was an uphill battle. I wouldn't have chosen uh, New Orleans, if I'm being honest. Um, just just not biased. Like my bias says, yes, come to New Orleans. But my, my mind said go to Green Bay. And am I disappointed he went to L.A.? Yes, I am. Because... I'm tired of all these AFC people going to, to, the, to, the, uh, to the Rams. And I feel like if they don't get a Super Bowl by the end of Matt Stafford's tenure, it's a failure. It's, it should be looked at as a failure. They haven't had a first-round pick in five years. Their last first-round pick was Jerry Goff in 2016. You, got, you can't go all out like this repeatedly. It's one thing to go all out in a year. But they have made a, a reputation out of going all out every year and saying these picks do not matter. You got to win. You wouldn't got a quarterback with this. It's one thing when you already have your quarterback and like, oh, I think this is the final piece. No, you, in a way, you've kind of went and built your team through this aggression. You have to go win a Super Bowl. You have to. Some people think it's this year. I think it just has to be by the time Matt Stafford goes. If Matt Stafford leaves and there's no ring there, and I understand it's like, but that's not the only way to be a successful team. It's not. But when you build up like the way they are with no draft picks and just continuously going to get big-time player after big-time player, you have to win a Super Bowl. Not an NFC Championship game, not getting there. That's not enough. You have to win it. Otherwise, you did this all for nothing. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's not like when the Saints went and got Quan Alexander because they thought that this can put them over the top and put them in a Super Bowl. No. You wouldn't have got a quarterback. You wouldn't have got the best uh, corner in the league. You wouldn't have did those things. Before that, you wouldn't have got Marcus Peters. You're getting big-time players. You wouldn't have got Von Miller. Now you got Odell. You're, you're making big-time moves. So... If you look at Odell, checks off three boxes for him. Serious Super Bowl contender, good quarterback, and depending on who you ask, maybe the biggest box, the most important one, it's in L.A., right there in Hollywood. So I'm, I'm understanding Saints were fighting the losing battle. You end up losing. However, I think that the fact that they were in this battle the whole time until basically the end, it speaks volumes on the respect that the organization and Sean Payton as a coach command around the league. That you're, you're taking Trevor Simeon up there and you're saying, this is my quarterback. And there was still some consideration towards the end, even going against a guy like Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford. So I think there's some, some credit there. Now let's get into this game. I've given a rant about Mina Kimes and that blasphemous take that Gambit is overrated. I'm still, I still haven't let it go. I still haven't. But I've given that take. I've started off. And I, Darren, you have to move on. And I will move on. You have to move on. I will. I've gone through Odell in the losing battle. That's in the past now. Odell, you're still good in my book. You know, I understand. I thought the Saints might have been able to, to uh, lock him down, maybe even get a, a multi-year contract, it seemed like they were talking. But it didn't happen. It's whatever. The Saints receiving core is still going to be pitiful. It's unfortunate. But now let's get into what I would like to see in this week's game. I would like to see the Saints run defense versus the tank that is Derrick Henry. Obviously, I know that's not going to happen, but it's what I would like to see. 
In the last two times the Saints have played the Titans, Derrick Henry has been super hot, and Derrick Henry has missed both of those games. This one included. That makes the two. But when I look at it, the Saints defense is, the run defense is phenomenal, has been phenomenal for years. Derrick Henry is a top two running back. You know, I, 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 you know, I always put AK, but if you put Derrick Henry above him, like, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset. That dude is ridiculous, and... I really felt like he was on his way to cementing a Hall of Fame status this year had he not got injured. That I'm serious with that. Hall of Fame status. So, um, he's one of the greats. And you, I want to see great on great. That's what I want to see. So, unfortunately, I won't be able to see that because of injury. That's unfortunate. I hope he rests up. I hope he gets better. Um, and I used to be one of the biggest, biggest Derrick Henry haters, like, now I'm not gonna say haters, because hater is like ir irrational. Detractor. I was a big Derrick Henry detractor. I was not a fan. I, I felt like I had proof on why he wasn't that good. But once he shut me up, he shut me up. And I can't take nothing from him now. Derrick Henry versus the Saints would have been fun. It's not gonna happen. So let's move into something that's real. One pass catcher other than Deontay Harris can show up. That's what I want to see. I want to see that one other pass catcher other than Deontay Harris can show up. I've seen Marquez Callaway have some good games. But Deontay Harris, most reliable receiver on, on the Saints roster. Most, res, most reliable pass catcher outside of Alvin Kamara on the roster. And the unfortunate part about saying he's the most and the best is that the people below him aren't that good. It's not like when you're going and you have two really good receivers and you're saying, this one's the most reliable. This one's the most productive. It just means he's more productive than the other receiver. No, Deontay Harris is the most reliable and nobody else has shown me to be able to rely on them. He's the, 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 the best pass catcher and none of the other ones have shown me that they can take that title from him anytime soon. But I hope that's not true. Deontay Harris had a DUI this offseason, and he's got one-year probation. Now that the case is closed, it's, it's, set, it's settled, now it's time to start thinking if the Saints are going to have to plan for time without Deontay Harris due to a suspension from the NFL. I think it's likely. I, I, I don't know if it happens this year. It might happen next year. However, you have to plan and be prepared that it might happen this year. And within that, that probably means, Deont excuse me, excuse me. With that, it probably means that Deontay Harris, who has been your best receiver, is going to be off the field, and Marquez Callaway is going to have to be your number one, or Traquan Smith. But honestly, I'm not looking for anybody to show number one qualities. I'm looking for somebody to show that they can step up and make plays back-to-back -back games. I hope the NFL takes two games at the, at the worst, Hopefully they don't suspend him till next year. But if they are going to suspend him this year, I hope that two games, he gets to play two more games and I can get a little bit of confidence that people can step up. Maybe Marco S. Callaway has back-to-back -back good games. The closest thing that any receiver has had to back-to-back -to -back good games is Callaway with his game versus the Giants and the Washington football team. But the thing about the Giants game is outside of his big 58-yard bomb, it wasn't that much. So, you know, yeah, God's plan versus, versus the football team. So, when I look at it, 
if he can step up and show me, because that's who I'm really banking on. I'm not banking on Kenny Stills. He's been disappointed. I was so excited for him to come back, and I thought he would have been better than this. But he hasn't been. Um, Traquan Smith, maybe. It might, be, it might be him, you know. We haven't seen him that much. He's only played three games. But Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith are your best bet. If they can show me that they can just simply make some plays, that's all I'm asking for is to make some plays, then I'll feel a little better because then at least I get Deontay level of performance when Deontay isn't gone. You're not stretching the field as much with, with Trevor Simeon anyway, even though he's throwing some good deep balls. I, I, I need that. That's what I would like to see. Um, And I, and I also say this, you know, I can't remember who it was. I, I wish I remember because he's my guy. He always says something on on Twitter. So I want to look. I want to look up his his Twitter handle. Um, but he said something to me. He asked me how I felt about the game. And uh, dang, where is he at? Nola Bam. I got. That's what I thought it was. But I didn't want to misquote it. Nola Bam. Man, he asked me how I felt about the game on Twitter. I told him man, I really can't call it because I don't know if Trevor Simmons gonna play as well as he did. I don't think the receivers are gonna play as bad. But I don't know how much better they'll be um like do i see big fish out here catching balls across the middle when he's getting hit and, and dropping to the ground no he hasn't shown me he can do that 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 feels like an aberration when he did it in the fourth quarter what's more likely is that he's gonna miss a pass like he did twice in that game so somebody has to prove me wrong and you know it doesn't have to be receiver that has to step up it can be any pass catcher you know i think sean's trying to get cute with with saying these these little distinctions, so I get cute with them. Pass catcher. Any pass catcher can do it. So I need a pass catcher to step up. Now let's get into my three matchups. And I'm going to start with what I think is premier. It's, it's my number one thing that I'm looking for. Um, and it probably isn't the most impactful, but it's right up there. All three of these matchups are equally impactful. Um, but without giving out more about the other two, let's get into this number one matchup and this isn't no ranking but this is just one that i have been most interested in for a while and that's paulson adebo versus julio jones slash aj brown he'll probably face both of them who he'll face more is a little more of what's interesting i think it'll be julio jones but i'll get to that in a second paulson adebo's name wasn't even mentioned last week until it was. And when it was, it was about him giving up the dagger. The go route to Cordero Patterson that put the, the, the Falcons in game-winning field goal range. That's when his name was, was called. It sucks to have, to have your name never called all game until, oh, you made the most glaring mistake of the game. But that's life. Such is life, right? And... People have been trying to get rid of Adebo. And I, I've come to grips that I don't think people really like Adebo. And, or some people, not most people, but some people really don't like Adebo. Has he messed up? Yes, 100%. I came on there and I, I had no defense on here. And I had no defense for him after his Giants game. It was just about, is he going to back, back, uh, bounce back? And I'm not getting rid of him after that. That was my whole take. He hadn't had a bad game up until then. He had a terrible game that game. That's about bouncing back. Now, he gives up a, a, a pass to Cordero Patterson in a big moment. Man, you got to put Roby in. You do not have to put Roby in anytime things go wrong. This is not a Tua Fitzpatrick deal where if the going gets tough, we got to throw in the Wiley vet. 
I hated it when Brian Flores did it. Please don't do it now. He has shown you the ability to bounce back. He struggled in the first half versus Carolina. Bounced back with a strong second half. He struggled the whole game against the Giants. Came back, had a good game versus the Washington football team, including his second interception of the year. Now, he gave up the game-winning pass to Cordero Patterson, and now he has to bounce back against the Tennessee Titans. You know, he was good the whole game, but he has to bounce back. And the toughest thing is, even if this wasn't a bounce-back game, this still would have been my, my, uh, my selection for matchup. It was just about this little soliloquy before about his ability to be resilient. But this was going to be an important matchup regardless. Listen, he'll probably line up most snaps against a potential, or excuse me, he'll potentially line up most snaps against a future Hall of Famer. The Hall of Fame part is not potentially at all. Julio Jones could retire today and get a gold jacket in five years, period. That's not even debatable. But I don't know if he's going to go against Julio because I look at A.J. Brown, and last week A.J. Brown was played by Ramsey. Makes sense. He's been the most consistent receiver. He had three games of more than 90 yards going into that Ram game. Obviously, he didn't have that in the Rams game. However, he got the attention of the best corner. It would be easy to see why the Saints would do the same thing and follow suit. But at the same time, it also would be easy to see why the, the Saints would say Lattimore has a history against Julio Jones. He's familiar with Julio Jones. We're going to go ahead and put him on Julio because of that familiarity. Then you got the rook going against A.J. Brown. It's really damned if you do damned if you don't. Pick your poison type of deal. Because either way, Adebo going to have his hands full. I think that when you look at it, I would put him on A.J. Brown because of the reasons that the Rams probably put Ramsey on him. And then just deal with Julio on Adebo. It's a tough situation. I'm not going to say a lie to you. It's a tough situation. Um... I'm kind of a, look, you got to baptize by fire. I'm not going to shelter you. So I'm not going to be like, well, let's put Roby in because he has more dealings with the veteran. I think this is your cornerback of the, of the future. And, you know, sometimes you just got to take those lumps within there. So if that's putting extra help on him, then yeah. But I, that's me. And I know that might not be the most conducive thing to game winning or whatnot. But I just feel like when you have a young player and you're, you're committed to the development of that player, you can't shelter them just because you don't know if they're ready. You'll, they'll never be ready. They'll never be ready if you don't if you don't allow them to be ready. And that's that's my take on it. So um, I'm sure that the Titans will identify that the rookie is on whoever it is. So he'll give him some looks. AJ Brown will get his targets because even when Ramsey was playing him most of the time, he had 11 of the targets, which is half of those targets by Ryan Tannehill. Nearly half of his 27 attempts went to AJ AJ Brown. So either way, they're gonna get looks but I just think that you have to put him on Julio and help because AJ Brown has just been a better receiver and you just got to allow Marshawn to take that matchup what's going to be really important is Marshawn has to stop his guy and then you can help Adebo but my eyes will be on how much is Adebo getting targeted because I'm sure that people will say we have two good receivers we have to go get the matchup that is best for us and that has to be the rookie now, my second matchup is the 
New Orleans Saints defensive line versus the Tennessee Titans offensive line. And going into the game, they have to dominate. Clearly, Derrick Henry is missing. That will put more hands, more into the hands of Ryan Tannehill. But you got to beat the offensive line because they've allowed 27 sacks this year. So when they pass, they've been the third worst team in protecting the quarterback. Go prove why. I'm talking about David on Yamada. I'm talking about Cam Jordan. I'm talking about Marcus Davenport. Passing, yo. You need to keep your line, keep your, your rush lanes in the middle. You need to keep your contain on the outside. And when you get to him, you have to finish it. That was a problem last week is finishing things. You would get to his feet. Matt Ryan was running. He's not as mobile as Ryan Tannehill. No, they're both Ryan. Matt Ryan is not as mobile as Ryan Tannehill. Yet he was still getting loose with the Saints. Can't allow that to happen. You have to keep your discipline. You have to keep your lanes Understand how to rush the passer and make sure you don't get overextended or go too deep in your rush. These are things that's going to be important. I trust that they're going to win the running game, so I'm not mentioning it too much. But you have to do these things in the passing game to win. Excuse me. Um, it can come from the left side. I don't care because the right tackle is bad, but it can come from the left side. It does not matter. You can try to attack Taylor Lewan, but in some capacity... You have to beat your blocks. Marcus Davenport gets his first sack of the week. I mean, of the year, this week. That's my bold prediction. You had it here. Marcus Davenport gets his first sack of the week. Now let's reverse, reverse, reverse. And let's get into the Saints offensive line versus the Titans defensive line. Because that's just as important. The trenches are going to win this game, probably. Let me read to you all some, some, some stats. Because McCoy... And, and Hurst are going to have their hands full with Jeffrey Simmons. As he often lined up on the, on the offensive left. Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks, nine pressures, and a 19.1 pressure rate last week. But he ain't the only one. He got some running partners out there that's doing the thing too. D'Amico Autry, 11th in pressure rate this year. This is all season. Jeffrey Simmons' stats were for last week. But this is for the whole season. D'Amico Autry, 11th in pressure rate. Second in total pressures this year. Harold Landry, third in sacks, nine in pressure rate. This is what the Saints are going to have to face this year. And they have, a, they have three offensive linemen um, in Ramchek, Ruiz, and I believe McCoy. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's those three. That uh, It's definitely Ramchek and, and Ruiz. That are top five, top ten in the league in pass block win rate. So it's good on good. Don't get me wrong, but our good has to win. These guys have shown the ability to get to the quarterback consistently. And who knows how long we might have to hold the ball. We'll see. But you do not want these guys. And it's a key reason you have to keep the game close. Because you do not want these guys saying, let's go rush the passer. It's the key reason you need to keep yourself out of third and longs. Because you don't want these guys saying, all right, let's pin our ears back. And let's go get it. It's important. You don't want to have an, you don't want to have a game like last week where you find yourself in such a deficit that you have to pass yourself out because you might just pass out, honestly, off the pressure. You know that trio is the wrong set of guys to say you're gonna go get the quarterback now for minutes upon minutes because they have to pass. Got to keep the game close. Um, so one way to do that is to run the ball. It's not gonna stop everything, but it's the key way to do it. 
So uh, one of my storylines is Alvin Kamara's health is concerning. Why? Because the offense runs through Alvin Kamara. And the receiving court leaves a lot to be desired. When your best runner is out, it's concerning. When your best receiver is out, it's concerning. When your best player is out, it's very concerning. And when the one guy that's out is all three of those things, it's pushed the red button level of concerning. That's my best way to explain why Alvin Kamara is concerning or why Alvin Kamara's injury is very concerning. And you knew that before you clicked on here. My expectation is that Mark Ingram, who is only 20 yards away from getting the, the all-time Saints record, which is a bummer. It won't happen in the Dome. Had the Saints kept the game closer last week, I think it completely would have happened. I'm pretty certain it would have, especially with the way they were running it. But it didn't happen. AK is going to affect you in every aspect except for blocking on a major scale. Um, Taysom Hill, if he's healthy, he should be running the ball four-plus times. I don't want to put the whole load on uh, Alvin, on Mark Ingram, even though he said he's ready for it. So this is going to be the week. How healthy is Taysom? We'll see that. They signed Josh Adams to the practice squad in preparation for this possibility of, of Alvin Kamara being out with a knee sprain. Seems to be a mild knee sprain. Might be cautious and not play him. But overall, yeah, you don't want to risk your, your injury or risk your, your season for this game because Alvin Kamara's out. Look, it's, it's, it's bleak. Very bleak. If you think it's bleak now on offense, imagine AK out. Never mind. We're not going to talk about that. Let's get into our next storyline. And that's how much does Janoris know. And this is just a quick, fun thing. But he talked about, yeah, I'm, I'm spreading the secrets that I learned back there to my teammates. And we'll see. Does the Saints do some dummy calls? Does they Do they do something that is meant to trick Janoris into thinking is something that he's used to, but it really isn't? I expect to see those things. Um, is Janoris going to be more aggressive thinking he knows what's coming? I, I, how are they going to play? Are they going to feel like they know something? Are they going to be more aggressive and feel like they have inside information? These are things that are going to be interesting, and I'm sure that we'll hear about it in the postgame presser. And I, I will go check out Janoris's postgame press conference just to see what he says about if there's some differences within the team. And then lastly... Lastly, my key to victory is force the Tennessee Titans to generate offense. And I think this might be more important than any of the matchups or storylines I said. You have to force the Tennessee Titans to generate offense. Last week's game against the Rams was similar to the Saints game versus the Packers in one way. The points did not match the yardage. What Jameis had, five touchdowns and less than 200 yards, less than 150 yards? That's kind of how it felt in a way with scoring 28 points, but they didn't even net 200 yards offensively. 28 points, but did not reach 20, 200 net yards. Stafford had two interceptions. One was returned for a touchdown, the other to the two. Those turnovers turned into 14 points. When you look outside of those two scoring plays or scoring drives and depending on how you look at it. One was an interception return. That's a play. The other was a one-play, two-yard touchdown drive. Outside of that, they had two touchdowns, five punts, and an interception. And then a, a, a possession that went out at halftime where they just ran out of time on the clock. But let's, let's not even care about that. Out of their eight other possessions, they scored two touchdowns. They scored 21 second-quarter points and failed to score again into the fourth quarter. They didn't score in the first or the third. They scored in the second, and they scored a touchdown in the fourth. 
the bulk of their of their points came in that second quarter. And it's clear, it's clear that the Saints, I mean, that the Titans are forcing these turnovers. I don't want to make it seem like they're just getting gimme type of, of plays. No, they're really forcing these turnovers and they deserve credit for it. But if I'm isolating the offense individually, just that side of the ball, well, they got something to prove. They already have something to prove. You go into that Rams game, you don't have Derrick Henry, you're looking to prove that. The Rams let him off the hook, Danny uh, Dennis Green style. Let him off the hook. Because they allowed themselves to give up the ball. 14 points on two yards. Two yards led to 14 points. Two offensive yards led to 14 points. You let them off of the hook. And I don't know what they are. Are they what they are they what I think they are? I don't know. But I do know that the Rams let them off the hook and allowed these turnovers to get more points on the board without them having to generate much offense. Derrick Henry is the heartbeat of the team. He's gone, forced them to generate offense. The Rams didn't, the Saints have to. That is the biggest key to the victory for the New Orleans Saints. And I understand that with Derrick Henry gone, it's going to be more in the hands of Ryan Tannehill. I said that earlier. And if there was any team to transition from a heavy run team to being able to pass the ball efficiently, it's the Tennessee Titans because they have they have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. They still have that. So they're equipped for this. Don't get me wrong. I understand that you can miss Derrick Henry and still transition to being an effective offense, but you got to prove it to me. This talk about being the best team in the AFC, which they are up there in the conversation, you got to prove it to me with this. And hopefully the Saints are the team that shows that they cannot do that. So that means offensively, hold on to the ball, don't allow any turnovers. That means getting a couple of first downs and, and allowing and playing the, the field position game. And Blake Gillikin has been great. So don't have him backed up in his in his in his uh end zone trying to punt the ball out. You don't want that. This means defensively, watch out for these explosive plays. Offense does their part. Don't don't give them easy possessions. That's their part. Don't do that. Defensively, prevent the explosive plays. You had six of them last week allowed. Don't let AJ Brown and Julio Jones get loose. Get pressure on Ryan Tannehill and finish the pressure. These are things that we've talked about throughout this podcast, and it all sums up into saying force them to generate offense and prove to the league through you that they can do it. You have a, you have a great defense. Prove to them that they can do it, man. And the ways to keep them from doing it is by preventing explosive plays. It is by getting to the quarterback and finishing the pressure. They allowed... Two or three sacks last week against the Rams. That's how you have to win this game. Keep Tennessee honest. Don't allow big plays and force them to methodically drive down the field. Force them to generate some sort of offense and not shoot yourself in the foot and give them easy points. That's how you win this game. And y'all know the drill. To the next time y'all hear me, run it back. It's been Darian Gray, the mouth of the South. Benny, blessed.